Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed, some not so much. I don't think there's any dispute about the acclaim for this movie. It has an 8.2 on IMDb and 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the 149th best picture on IMDb. And it is also the 2008 best picture winner and also won three other Oscars, which we'll talk about. Glad to be talking about it tonight. Before we get there, returning for the first time, I actually had both of you on last time for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Glenn Thompson, Gail Maitland. What's going on, my friends? Friends? It's good, man. I, I keep forgetting we were that close together on these, and I'm yeah. glad to be back so soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Thanks for having us, especially for this movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Instead of calling you friends, I should have said friendo. Friendo. Yeah. You I missed an opportunity there, the Dave. There. I do want to yeah. say, though, the amount of times you've posted that meme for us recently, like, <laughs> I think I just heard it, even if you didn't say it. So, probably. Mm-hmm. All right. So, No Country for Old Men, 2007. I've seen upwards of 3,000 movies in my life, and there's probably around 20 of them that I've given five stars to, and this this would be one of them. I could watch this movie every day and be totally satisfied with the state of cinema. It's a perfect movie, no notes, but we're doing a podcast, so I, I did, in fact, take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is based on a Corman McCarthy mo- novel of the same name, which was adapted by the, the Coen brothers. I haven't read this book, but from everything I've read, it mostly stays true t- to the, the story material. There are some subtle differences that I read we, we could talk about when we do scenes. <clears throat> Everybody in this movie is kind of moving very slowly. And at first glance, you would they would appear to be of below average intelligence. But in actuality, this is really like a fast paced film and all of the characters in it are super intelligent. I just think of there's one scene with Tommy Lee Jones and Garrett Dillahunt walking around at the scene of this massacre. And it takes them like 40 seconds to just decipher everything that happened immediately. Josh Brolin, we first see him. He, he appears to be like this kind of like simple, dim-witted guy. But quickly, we, we see how he's able to adapt to things when he when he walks into this crime scene. He knows that there's money there right away. Uh, he's alert enough to get a second motel room when he knows like someone's on his ass. He realizes in the middle of the night that, okay, this isn't a coincidence that these people keep finding me or this guy keeps finding me. He realizes he's being tracked. He's, just, so he's a pretty bright guy. I enjoy reading a lot of the discourse about this film on like what this movie is. There's on its face, I guess you, you would say this is definitely a drama but there's like some banger action sequences in this movie that I'd put up against any action film out there. And then there's just like some straight up scenes that are from a horror movie. And most of those are with uh, Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh. We're definitely going to talk about him a lot. Uh, so this movie is flawless to me. I love, <clears throat> excuse me. I love it. Glad to be talking about it both with both of you. Gail, why do you love this movie? Uh, well, because it's flawless. <laughs> it's a flawless movie. And I'm a Coen Brothers fan. Um, I I love their whole repertoire. But th- this movie, I think, is their, uh, is their, you know, the best movie that I've seen by them. And <laughs> I'm not sure if it's because it's a Cormac McCarthy adapted movie. Because, I mean, you know Cormac McCarthy, you know The Road. Um, again, No Country for Old Men. And so there are, he, he's kind of grim. He's kind of slow. He tells these tales of journeys and people. And 
uh, if you read any Cormac McCarthy, um, I feel like the Coen brothers nailed him on screen because uh, he doesn't use like quotes for his dialogue, right? Like he, it, when you are reading Cormac McCarthy, you are basically reading stream of consciousness as it goes, goes, goes. And I feel like that's what you're getting from all of these characters all at once so that they almost all kind of blend into each other into this, this one story. I mean, it's, it's perfect. And the Coen brothers did it perfectly. And uh, I don't think there's a scarier villain out there than, than Anton Chigar. And uh he gets away. Like he's still scary. He's still out there. Like <laughs> everything about this movie starts with a bang and it ends with a whisper and it's just perfect in between. Glenn, why do you love this movie? I mean, Gail and you both hit a lot of great points about it. Um, I actually hadn't revisited this movie in a number of years just for the sake of always watching new stuff and, and trying to catch whatever I can find. Um, but I remember my my partner hadn't seen it, and so she said she'd watch it for me while I prepped for this. And we sat down to watch it, and she'd never seen it. So I said, it's it's like a, a Western meets a thriller, and, and it requires your patience, but it pays off. And uh, we got to the end, and she just went, what the fuck? Uh, and, and to me, that kind of perfectly sums up how I feel about it is... This movie does require your patience. A lot of Coen Brother movies require your patience, but this one, especially with how um, prolonged some of the sequences are and how some how some of that stuff takes time to get to, where I'm just going, you know, what the fuck? Let's get, you know, I, what is the resolution? And then to 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 ultimately have no resolution is such kind of like a you have to sit with that for a minute. And I think that's what I love is so many movies they try to get you to a point, and this one's like make your own point i guess if you want we don't care and i love that i think that's great i think that's why this movie is a masterpiece and uh i i i'm a little sad i didn't get to it sooner than than you know than this but i'm glad i came back for for this podcast so you talked about like the ambiguousness of, of a lot of the aspects of the film great choices by the coen brothers who we'll talk about for a couple minutes here i believe this is the first of their films that we've covered it certainly won't be the last uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen have directed about 20 films together since the mid 80s. I do. I'm looking at their filmography and I do have some blind spots here. I haven't seen some things like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the George Clooney one, uh, Barton Fink. I think that's a big one that, that I've, I've missed. Intolerable Cruelty. They've, worked, they've done a lot of Clooney and I haven't seen a couple of them. Um, when this came out, I, I wasn't like a super like movie buff or anything around 07. So I had seen Big Lebowski, but I didn't like associated with anything so the first time i heard the words coen brothers together was in association with this movie around 2007 uh but had such an effect on me that their next film after this burn after reading was one that i was like i need to see this movie like right away and i saw that i actually don't even know if that was their next movie or it was a simple man i might be wrong but um most of their major films I've seen within like the last like six or seven years. Fargo, I saw for the first time like six years ago. Ironically, I saw the, the first season of the FX show before I saw the movie. Huh. And then I drew kind of the parallels. The, the show is great. The, the movie is also yeah. just phenomenal. And then like a lot of the bigger ones, Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, True Grid, A Serious Man. I've seen those within like the last five years. There are, they do a lot of different types of movies. They aren't super formulaic. They do a lot of different things, and sometimes they work brilliantly, like this movie or Fargo. But then sometimes you get some like some weird things, like the Lady Killers, the remake with Tom Hanks and Marlon Wayans, which was like, okay, we tried something, and you know, <laughs> did did it really work out? But it was it was fun for a little bit. 
but these guys between them, 13 Oscar nominations, including a Best Director win for this. Gail, any, any thoughts on the Coen brothers in general? Uh, well, so I think my introduction to the Coen brothers was uh, way back in the day. I mean, I was too probably too young to watch Fargo, but I watched Fargo and um, I, I loved it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember that vividly when I was younger that there was a Simpsons that I was watching when I was probably 10 years old. And the kids were so excited because they were about to break into an R-rated movie, Hmm. their first R-rated movie. And as they're leaving, uh, Millhouse is chanting, Barton Fink, Barton Fink. (laughs) And it's such a funny gag. And like, I remember that vividly. So when I finally watched Barton Fink, it made it even funnier. So I I really like Barton Fink. Um, I mean, I love The Big Lebowski. uh, Oh, brother, where art thou? Um, George Clooney was fantastic in that. Uh, Gosh, I mean... Yeah, No Country, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Oh my God, it's so yeah, sad. Can we pause even... for there for a minute? Because holy yeah. crap. You oh want to talk God. about another great movie? When we circle oh. back to them, that's another one that, I mean. Yeah, same. It just, it cow. like sits on my shoulders. Ouch. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, I, I think there were a lot of people that didn't love The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but I really did a lot. I loved the opening of that film. I, I loved it all the way through. Um, I just and Fargo, right? Fargo is an is an amazing show. People will say that Fargo season one is like the only watchable season. Um, heavily disagree. I think season two is Same. brilliant with Carrie Coon, right? Because how do you go wrong with Carrie Coon? And then you have season three with you and McGregor in the dual roles, and that's and David Thewlis, Mary Elizabeth Cohen's. Oh, yeah, the Coens with their villains who are just regular guys, David Thewlis, Anton Chigurh, like, they're just, they're, they're so well, well written and well done. And I, I, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the Coen brothers. Glenn, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Coens as a film fan? I, I can't, I can't retread the ground any better than, than what's been hit here, except to say that, you know, it, it kind of occurred to me last night as I was watching this one again, and I talked about it afterwards that, like, um, the Coen brothers love that lack of resolution and they do it constantly. I mean, Inside Lewin Davis is another where it's like, there's no resolution in that film is gorgeous and it breaks your heart. And you like, if you, if you have ever wanted to be an artist or have been an artist, it's one of those that sits with you the same way this one does where it's like, sometimes you have to learn that you're just rolling along and you're just doing what you're doing. And I love that, but they did another one um, or a, a short for uh, Paris Chatem, uh, which I always say wrong, but I think that was close. Um, which is just a series of vignettes. And I usually hate those movies. I'm like, what what a waste of my time. That's one of those where I'm like, oh, to be in love in Paris. Like, it's so dumb. And and you don't, you know, you never carry it that way. But like, what the heck, guys? Like, you have the Coen brothers to direct a short for this? Uh, it's great. And, and I think that, like, as I'm looking over what they've done, I'm like, I have seen way more of their work than I realized that I'd seen. I think that's how often that happens with them, where it's like, Oh, that was, that yeah, was those guys, you know. Um, well, that yeah, I mean, I just forgot about raising it. How did I completely forget right. about you raising, forget Arizona? raising Arizona? But it's how right, do you forget right. that? It's um, one of the f- best comedies of all time, and I just completely it blew out of my brain because I'm so focused on the no country and the sadness, and but raising Arizona. You know, you have that one. You have Hail Caesar, which I knew was them, but like that one to me, I have heard so much hate for it, and I remember seeing it the first time, and going like, I'm okay, and then I saw it again the second time, and I was like. That's really funny, actually. Like, if you sit with it for a minute, Hail Caesar is funny. 
but that's kind of their signature style is the almost almost like hitting you in the face in a way you don't expect with it um so i, I i'm mm. a big fan absolutely and the, this whole time you mentioned raising arizona i thought that was their first movie until like i, w- I was doing research today and they did a movie in 1984 called blood simple mm-hmm. which was actually their first movie and francis mcdormand and dan Hedaya mm-hmm. are in this and this on hbo so i might watch that there's <laughs> like i'm show. making a list yeah and here we go yeah absolutely <laughs> Hour I 40. yeah i can do that i do that a lot all right so javier bardem this was the first time I had any awareness of him as an actor. I would imagine that that was the case for a lot of people. Maybe mm-hmm. I know he was in collateral from looking him up. I don't really remember him in collateral, but when I saw the pictures, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I remember that. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but yeah, sure. that movie, that sure. movie rocks. I would, I think he kind of had like an emergence onto the scene, kind of the same way Christoph Waltz, in playing this this super villain and winning an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor and having this kind of be the role that defines you, where although I think Waltz, basically every role he does now, you're, you're thinking Hans Landa. Right. But right. Bardem's done like, a, I think he's done like a good job to kind of steer away from this, even if no matter what, you're going to think of Anton Chigurh every time you see him. But he's, he's done like a lot of like really quirky roles. I think of him, his Bond villain Silva in, in Skyfall was really good. Uh, he has. Did you two ever see The Counselor? Oh, I, I think a long, like a long time ago. The Ridley Scott film with Brad yeah, Pitt and Fast yeah. Bender and uh, Cameron Diaz. He has this like crazy. He's a drug dealer with like yeah, really yes, 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 yes. Okay, uh-huh. he's got this jersey cut, this blowout. It, it, yeah, he's 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 doing whatever he can to like distance himself from the Shakira <laughs> bowl cut. <laughs> well, I mean, good luck. <laughs> That that's like one of my first notes about this movie is his haircut just makes me shudder. I literally go went Ugh, when I saw it because I, I like it. It's that it fits the character so well, but it's so creepy. Uh, as yeah, that style. Um, but yeah, he's, he's doing that. He's and I now he's he's in, he's a mainstay in the Dune franchise. Um, it, I read a, a snippet of an interview with him, and he said he was talking with the Coen brothers to get the role for this film mm. and he didn't really want it at first because he, he said to them he goes my english isn't really that great and i don't like violence and they just said perfect <laughs> and that, that, that was, he played it I, and he was, I yeah it. yes and he, he nailed this because this this movie does does not work without him and there was when we get to the internet stuff there was like a, ca- a casting almost that would have changed the trajectory here but yeah this is this is his movie Gail, any thoughts on Bardem in this or in general? Uh, so I, I'm somebody who likes to watch real sad shit. So I knew about Javier Bardem because I knew about The Sea Inside. Um, he was a okay. Spanish actor. Um, and that was a movie about, um, he, he was in an accident and he fought for uh, euthanasia. And it was, a really, it was really well done and um, highly regarded. And I know that he's been in... Um, Oh, it, it, beautiful. He was in that. He's uh, Vicky Christina Barcelona, um, Woody Allen movie. Uh, he's He's been kind of all over the place, but um, Mother, which is um, a movie that you either love or hate. I love it. Uh, <laughs> you did <laughs> say you love sad shit, so there we go. I love it. I love Mother. <laughs> um, but Javier Bardem is, uh, is uh, I, I think he's, I think he's a wonderful actor, of course, but I think him as Anton Chigurh, I don't know what he did to put himself in the headspace of Anton Chigurh, but I remember when I saw this movie in the theater, what pulled me in was probably the first five minutes of the film where he is 
strangling the first victim and the look on his face, not the victim's face, but Shiger's face when Terrifying. he's doing it of just pure intensity and purpose. And I, I was, I, I, he is the reason I, I stuck with this movie. Glenn, what are your thoughts on Bardem? Yeah, I, I think I think you said it earlier. Um, this is where I remember him coming on to the scene for me, like because this was such a big like with the with the Oscar nominations and 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 all of the buzz surrounding it. This was kind of my first real like, oh, he's a guy that exists kind of moment. I saw Collateral after this, even though he did it before. Um, I don't know that I'd seen anything. Um, prior to that 2004 collateral that I, that he was in, but I've seen tons of stuff. He was in after, of course, Skyfall, of course he pray love. Cause you know, sometimes you just throw on trashy movies for the hell of trashy movies. Um, uh, you can edit that out if you want. Uh, and, then, um, uh, you know, but he, he did stuff all the way through the years after that, where it was like, you know, mother, um, everybody knows, uh, obviously, uh, Dune, uh, he did uh, be uh, being the Ricardos. He did Desi Arnaz in that, which that was an Amazon movie, but it actually like was a was it good? It was I a good it. movie. Yeah, I mean, like it it's about making an episode of I Love Lucy, and and he kind of nailed that personality really well. If you know anything about their relationship, so um, I think he's just one of the better actors that's kind of on the scene, and probably just isn't utilized as much as he should be. I think he could be doing way more if people let him. Sure. <laughs> or maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe I'm wrong. But I he could be doing more. So all right. So the cast outside of I don't I don't know if there's really like a supporting cast in this movie. It's it's kind of like the same core of people, but just Bardem looms so large in this movie that I guess everybody else is off to the side. But the first time I, I heard anything about this movie, it was kind of billed as a Tommy Lee Jones film. Sure. And mm-hmm. this was kind of the first time I had heard of him in a, in a very long time. Because Gail, you were on previously when we covered Natural Born Killers, and this was mm-hmm. kind of him. This was like twelve or thirteen years prior, and this was him like at the peak of his powers, where mm-hmm. he was just like one of the biggest names out there. But for like ten years or so, he hadn't been really someone like in my thoughts, or I guess like in the consciousness. He did a lot of a franchise. He did a lot of franchise work with the Men in Black films. He was obviously Two Face in, in Batman Forever, mm-hmm. and he always worked steadily. But there was nothing, never nothing, anything that like really like was like, wow, I need to go pay a ticket to see this Tommy Lee Jones film and, until this came out. And I thought him as Sheriff Ed Bell is just really great opening with his opening and closing with, with two like just gutting monologues. And Ugh. Woody Harrelson is, is also in this movie as Carson Wells. Speaking of Natural Born Killers, a little reunion there. Um, I, I don't know, maybe you two can help me out here, but like, what is his role in this movie? He's he's a bounty hunter who specializes in Anton Chigurh. Is that is did I get am I getting that wrong? Am I missing something? As as far as I could tell, he seemed like he was not only a bounty hunter. He seemed like he only took on very specific types of bounties. Like he was only after, you know, like Chigurh would have fit the profile of a guy he would have gone after. But I mean, he. I, I don't know that th- that's maybe one area of this film where I felt like they could have just pulled that thread a little more for me. Uh, I What I'll say is that I think that his character knew that this was a losing battle. I think that he knew going into this, taking this bounty, he was not coming out of it because every single thing he said about Shigur, he never said that he had any hope that this was his, that this was his bounty to win, right? Like he knew his life was over. And I think I would have loved more of a backstory on him as to why yeah. he took this suicide mission. But 
I think that's what he did. And I think that's what he did on purpose. That's my interpretation of it. But um, I could have missed something along there. But I, I think that that's just kind of a piece of it's just a piece of what Shigur brought to the brought to the film. Well, okay. I, I also think, I mean, with him specifically, with Woody Harrelson's character specifically, there is a little bit of the you either die young or live long enough to see yourself irrelevant, right? Well, like that's kind of yes. the push of it, right? Um, he's so confident, and maybe it is a suicide mission for him, but at the very least, he's so confident that he knows this guy that when this guy shows up in his hotel room, it's and the look of shock on his face, and you go, Oh, you didn't know at all. You know, you you thought you knew it, but so I also wonder if, I mean, that actually right there is a really good point because obviously this movie is called No Country for Old Men. And I think the, I think that the thread through the whole thing, and I mean, obviously the thread through the whole thing is uh, Tommy Lee Jones and how, um, you know, the, it, it's, it's the same old adage, right, of, um, well, back in my day or people didn't used to go like this, but now the bad guy got away. Uh, Llewellyn is gone. Tommy Lee Jones uh, didn't get a chance to do what he had promised to do. And maybe, maybe had Carson Wells lived, Woody Harrelson's character, the entire trajectory of the tale would have been different. And like the old men that he was going to be in the future would have been different, right? So maybe, I think that's a really good point, Glenn. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) I have them occasionally. You don't have to come with me. No, that's... Right in there. I want to know... Yeah, keep that in. Glenn was right. <laughs> one time. Hashtag. One time, I'll take it. I like it. I like that. All right. So like Bardem, this was kind of the first time I had any awareness of Josh Brolin as well. Um, I Actually, I knew his dad, James Brolin, yeah. from, from movies like Amnival Horror. And I had no idea that he was the brother in the Goonies until like, you know, <laughs> checking IMD Bay Fair. at the time. Um, I had actually, I saw Planet Terror for the first time a few weeks ago. And that came out a little bit before this. And there's a f- funny internet story that I'll, I'll table. Um, so he, he was great in this. He's probably either known for this or, or as Thanos at this point, hopefully more for mm. this. Uh, Kelly McDonald, this was also the first time I had any awareness of her as uh, Carly Jean. Carly Jean, rather. I didn't see Train Spotting until like seven years ago. So this was kind of my first uh, first time I've seen her. And when she was in Boardwalk Empire, I immediately spotted her. I was like, oh, okay, that's 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 Carly Jean. Uh, Steven Root is in this movie, but that's not really a big mm-hmm. deal because he's in every movie and show that exists. <laughs> I think it's more news when he's not in something. But he's in this as, quote, man who hires Wells. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, Gail, any, anyone outside of Bardem stand out for you that I did or forgot to mention? Uh, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones, of course, stands out to me. I think Josh Brolin, um, I think he did a fine job. I think he was he was exactly the character that he was supposed to be in the movie. I think I think anybody probably could have played Llewellyn Moss as kind of just the straight man trying to get away, who kind of made a made a snap wrong decision uh, and changed his entire life and the life of those around him. Um, I really like I, I like Garrett Dillahunt. I think that he did a great job. Um, I think it's I think it's fun to see him play a serious role. I know he has here and there, but I watched the show Raising Hope back in the day, and I he was the goofy dad in it, and so it's nice to see him in a serious role. Um, yeah, 
I think for me, I, I lean into just really enjoying the Tommy Lee Jones and Anton Shigur combo. Definitely. Glenn, anyone stand out for you outside of Burnham? Uh, I mean, I, I, you, the trio, I, I, I sort of agree, Gail. I think Josh Brolin, this for me is what set me off watching a bunch of his stuff because I thought he did a great job here. But mm-hmm. the trio as a whole is like, they're bringing it the whole time. And Tommy Lee Jones, I've had him on my brain forever. I, I used to watch those things with my dad when I was growing up movies of his, you know, Batman Forever, Men in Black. U.S. Marshals was one he did that I watched, like, should not have been watching when I was that age, but my dad loved it, so I watched it with him. Uh, Volcano. I mean, those are, like, back in the 90s, right? And then you get into the 2000s, and and he's just been in all sorts of stuff. But um, uh, one who stood out for me, and she's not a name that I that I pulled right away, but uh, was Carla Jean's mother, played by Beth Grant. Um, she's also in everything, she's right? In everything. Like she's but always the like little episode. old lady. Yes. Yes. And, and when she I am was, not well. I mean, and, I'm and, not well. And then she's not. She dies, right? Like at the end of the movie, she literally dies. So <laughs> she's like, oh, the yeah. Well. You know, I um, think about her all the time too from this movie. Like I think that's a good pull too because she's she's fascinating. She's a fascinating actress. And she brings a little bit of humor to some pretty dark stuff at the end. You know, like when we're getting to the very end of this movie. Um, you know, and of course, I just I I do love Kelly McDonald as as Carla Jean. You know, mm. I thought that her whole turn. She's the realization you have that nobody escapes this, right? The three, the main three, yeah, we understand that they're in this. But when Shigur shows up at her house at the end and you're going, oh, damn it. Like, nobody gets away from this. And you think, you think she's about to outsmart him. You think that he's about to walk out that door because she doesn't make a choice. But no, fuck that. He walks out and he checks his boots. Like, you know what happened in that house. And like. it, but it's you know the, i mean and we'll get into this more i'm sure but the whole coin toss bit the you know this could be everything and she says i'm not gonna choose and you're going yeah because you know you have no choice yeah he's, he's not stupid he's gonna pretend like because he walked away from that shop owner earlier in the movie that you have a choice mm-hmm. but the reality is he knows what he's there for and he's not he's not walking away so i it, it was one of those scenes where i just went She's so good. She's such a good actress. And another one that I wish I saw more of because I, I think she's great. So, Yeah, great cast. Great movie. We're going to talk about scenes in one minute, but we're going to take a quick break. We are back. Favorite scenes. So I think I listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Okay, so they are as follows. The opening Shigor kills, which we talked about earlier earlier on. Uh, Llewellyn going back to the scene. We saw him go there during the day. He goes back at night. Yep. And this is just a wild action sequence. Uh, the coin toss, the, the hotel chase between Llewellyn and Shigur in, in the truck. Uh, Shigur, the pharmacy explosion. Shigur killing Wells. Um, Shigur and Carly Jean. And then the end scene, uh, Ed Bell talking about his dream. Mm-hmm. Gail, where, where would you like to start? Oh, gosh. Where do we start? Um, I think we have to start, you know, from the words of Julie Andrews. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's talk about Shigar's first kill. Uh, I think that that's, I think that that's incredibly, um, I think it's incredibly important to the movie because we need to see 
we need to see what Shakur is capable of and we need to see how he does it. And we need to see that he does it with absolutely no remorse and with pure dedication to his job. I mean, this guy is a star employee. You hire him. He's going to get the job done. Um, but this scene is full of, full of unsaid action too, right? Like you see the scuff marks on the ground after his victim is gone. Like you see the struggle, you see everything, you see his bloody wrists. And from then on out, each kill scene gets lesser and lesser and lesser and more and more implied. Mm -hmm. Um, But this first one was a gut punch just to say like, get ready for what you're about to witness. And then the next guy, the, the when he steals the cop car, and this poor guy, like the cop calls, pulls, I, I, you know, I'm talking oh. shit, but like a cop walks up to you and he's like wearing just kind of like plain clothes, and he, he's putting this like this air tank to my head. Like may, maybe I'm question. This guy had no questions at all. He's like, yeah, do whatever you need to do, man. And just, just sat there. Yeah, well, just let him kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're just like off and running. And I talked about how how like smart these characters were we see like tommy lee jones and garrett delahunt talking about it later and he was like yeah sugar killed our deputy then took the car then swapped cars with this guy like they pick up on this is pre-technology too so they just they pick up all this stuff they're like really bright guys glenn what'd you think of the opening scene uh gail you said it. it it really sets the tone for everything to then be a little bit less afterwards. Like we know exactly who this guy is. We know exactly what he's willing to do. We see a second kill with that cop car and then the cattle tank, you know, or the air tank, uh, like a scene or two later. Right. And to have that much violence that quickly in a film, and especially that choking out scene where it's like, they, they let you see it. They're not, they're not trying to cut it short. They're not trying to make it fast. Um, you know, again, as someone who's who spent a lot of time choreographing violence for film and stage, like I am uncomfortable watching it, and that's a good thing. That tells you that they they want you to know who this guy is from the moment go, you know, and everyone else is going to figure it out along the way. Um, so, really good scene, really really powerful opening that is also unexpected. I, I think it's great. What's the scene you like, Glenn? Um, I, I remember, uh, not long after that, um, uh, just like you, you had mentioned, um, Llewellyn discovering the, the crime scene, but I think there's the buildup to that, which is him hunting the antelope. And we're getting the sense of this guy knows what it's like to be the hunter. He's maybe not the best, but he knows what he's doing. Uh, he walks and tracks it and finds this crime scene. And I think it like the whole extended sequence of that is them establishing like, when he's being hunted, he knows what he's, you know, he he's now figuring it out from the other side. And I just like the juxtaposition is brilliant to me. I, I can't get past how well they juxtapose these three characters against each other. Um, I so. like how they juxtapose these two scenes because we see him walking around this, this massacre in the daylight and even seeing it in the daylight is just like scary as hell and yeah. with the sun out. And then we go, he goes back later when it's like pitch black and he says to Carly Jean before he goes there, he's like, I'm fixing to do something dumber than hell, but I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, yeah, this is, this is really stupid. You're going to bring this guy who's probably died in the last 12 hours. Mm. He's going to bring him water. You know, great, great, great thing to do. But this guy's probably dead. And, you know, we see in the distance, we see the, the truck and we see these guys chatting. And we're like, yeah, they're, they're not there to like say hello to you. They're, they're yeah, right. to kill anybody. 
your truck is prominently in the way. You're very clearly going to get, you know, and, and. Well, and, this is, yeah, it's the juxtaposition of Llewellyn with Shigur. Shigur is a professional. Everything he does is professional. Llewellyn, everything he does just does, is a little bit wrong. Like he yeah. doesn't make the right decisions because he's not cut out for this. He hasn't done this. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Yeah. And, and he does survive for a while, but it's ultimately that inexperience that, that puts him in that place that kills him, you know? So it's great. And he gets out of this jam because I think this is the only, the only time I endorse a dog death in a movie. Uh, it's funny you said that. I, I had to, of course, let my partner know that was coming because she's a little bit, you know, not a fan of that. So I said, hey, just know that this is coming. And so she knew it and she was okay with it. But she watched it after and she said, huh, I'm okay with that. And I went, yeah, <laughs> I think that's just a thing. I think it's just a thing about that particular, you understand it had to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. I the Coens, right? Like they, they make you side with the human. That never happens. <laughs> oh. I don't, it's tough to like look back at that and like, what would I have done in that situation? But I don't know. It just seems like he's like swimming and the dog's like behind him swimming. And like and that dog is ready. That dog's dedicated. Oh, like, he's gonna I kill the shit out of that dog. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. You know. Oh, it is a tough moment to watch, but at the same time, I think any reasonable person would go, yeah, I guess I, I would do the same. Like, if it's me or that dog, I'm probably yeah. doing the same. Uh, let's see how much hate mail we get, Dave. Uh, you can write us in. <laughs> Mug. Mug. is coming for us. <laughs> All right, the coin toss. This is maybe oh, this probably scene. the most maybe the most it's the quintessential scene of the movie. Scene of the movie. Yeah, it's it's the movie. This poor guy. He's just making small talk and poor friendo. Your friendo. <laughs> every question he asks him sugar hits him with another question he's like will there be something else i don't know will there he's like i need to see about closing he's like when do you close now it's like now is not a time what time do you close i just this guy is just he doesn't know he knows something's off but he doesn't quite know what he's dealing with and just I can't when when the, he mentions that he married into this business and sugar is like you married into it. And he does like I don't know if it's a laugh or a cough. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. it's he chokes. It, it makes him choke on his nuts or whatever he's eating because it just <laughs> he he feels sorry for Anton Shigur feels sorry for him. Like <laughs> it's it's so good and <sighs> I, I just I watched it right before. It's it's you can find a Facebook clip on uh, HBO Max. I, I it was like a four minute scene. I just watched it before we recorded again. You know, I watched the whole movie again this morning. Uh, Gail, what, what do you think of the scene? Well, I mean, this is the scene of the movie. This is the one that if you haven't been sold yet, if you've had to turn away during the dog death, if you've had to turn away during Shigur's strangling, like you are intently watching this scene, knowing exactly what Shigur is capable of. And this kindly old man who just asked if he was from Dallas, like that's all he did. He was just talking and his life is on the line for a coin. He's on the line for a coin. Yeah. The thing about this scene is it puts you into a sort of comfort that Glenn mentioned before that maybe this coin is what Shigur leans on. But no, I think Shigur was always going to let this man go. He wasn't going to ever kill this man. He just wanted him to feel like fear. <laughs> he just wanted him to feel something. Um, but, uh, or he just wanted to play a game. I mean, I was, I was reading... Um, I was reading an article um, about, you know, where um, some therapists and mental health workers were were talking on the best depiction of 
sociopath in a film and they they picked Shigor hands down um he is and in this scene like I said you get this false sense of comfort where he you know he does let somebody go because of the coin flip but the coin means absolutely nothing the coin has never meant anything it's all arbitrary he's out here to do a job and he's going to do his job this guy wasn't in his way um the intensity of a fucking coin flip and a man eating nuts and talking about the weather is I've, I've never been so interested in four <laughs> minutes of cinema before. Like it's, it's a perfectly shot scene. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, what'd you think of the scene? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to point out the actor's name is Gene Jones. Uh, okay. And he, he's a guy that has done way more than you'd think he would if you looked at his imdb page he's he's got a lot of credits to his name mm-hmm. and how much of that you've seen is probably very limited but he's been in some big stuff you know he's been in uh he was in the hateful eight he was in uh red dead redemption to the video game uh he's been in some other hbo stuff boardwalk empire you know it's always like one episode here a thing there okay but the guy... yeah he's done he was a cult leader in the sacrament if you if you haven't yeah. seen that if other people haven't seen that it's a thai west film it's very good and one um, awards for it like yeah you know yeah. a lot of words i like yeah uh mm-hmm. he, he he but he's that guy and and this was another point that was brought up when i was watching last night the coen brothers cast people who look like people they you're watching what look you know they're they're real people they look like people you'd see in everyday life which is not a hollywood thing that happens a lot i think it's important Mm -hmm. to note when it does uh because he you can't help feel sorry for him you can't help go he's gonna die he's gonna die because that's all we've seen this whole film and so when sugar walks away and you go oh this isn't a compulsion this is a choice sugar makes a choice when he does this is a huge point to establish this far into the movie uh, with a guy who's a shop counter tendon, you know, who doesn't mean anything. He's not important to the film in any other regard. He never comes back and he's the one who lives and you're going mind fuck guys. Like you just fucked my whole brain over in four minutes. I can't. And then you have to process the rest of the movie. So really brilliant scene. It's, probably one of my favorite scenes in cinema in general uh mm-hmm. and i i just can't i when i saw it again last night i was like oh, oh i love it it's the holy <laughs> grail perhaps of, of movie scenes mm. for sure the hotel chase this is uh this is between uh the, this is the shootout between Llewellyn yeah. and Shiger. Yeah. this is simultaneously like a great action sequence and also like a, something straight out of a horror movie it we, we talked about how like we mentioned that Llewellyn, Josh Brolin's character, is kind of dim, but he also is bright. He picks up on things pretty quickly. He is out of his depth, but in the middle of the night, he just kind of wakes up and he's like, no, no, they, this isn't a coincidence that they keep tracking me. And he, he finds the tracker in the money, but it's too late at that point. And we see him, he turns out the lights and we just see like the the shadows from the feet and the crack of the bottom of the door. And you're like, it's on. And we see we see Llewellyn, he's sitting there with the gun ready to go, but he blows out. Once he blows out the door handle with, with his air tank, it, it's on. And he, he gets shot. He When he hails that truck and the guy's like, I don't want any trouble. And the guy just gets immediately just shot up. Like it, it's, mm. it's brutal. And he drives away. They have this little shootout. We don't know that Shigur got shot until we see him in a later scene in the, in the pharmacy. But this is just... And, you know, Shigur is this killing machine, but 
Llewellyn holds his own in this scene. It, it's not like he doesn't just mow over him like he does with Wells later. We'll we'll talk mm. about that. But mm-hmm. this isn't this is a fair fight almost. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, what would you think of the scene? Uh, so I I think this is this is a, the moment when you kind of go they, the Coen brothers really nailed the thriller part of this. Your the suspense the entire time is max. Um, you can't take your eyes off the screen. It's it's almost as good as the coin toss scene, but not quite to me. And it's the only, I mean, this is a point that I didn't realize until after I'd seen it a couple of times. None of the three characters ever share, a, main characters ever share a camera shot together. Uh, this is the closest we come to two of the three actually being in the same scene. And they still never share, share a shot together. And that cinematically is so interesting to me that like we go this whole two hour movie and this is the closest we get to seeing them together. Um, they never share dialogue. <laughs> they, you know, it's like I love how brilliant this is in in keeping that that thematic thing going or that 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 thing going. Um, uh, and and the truck crash and and the shot to the knee and you think he got him, but he didn't get him. It's like oh god, I just I love it. I think it's great. The truck crashing into the car is like something out of a cartoon. It's like we yeah. have all these like, it's like womp womp. I was waiting for like a womp womp. Right, womp. right. And you could tell at that point that Llewellyn's close to being done. He 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 can't go much further and ends up falling asleep in Mexico for medical help apparently. But yeah. um, you know, so it's just a brilliant moment to sort of like go. That's how close these two come before he actually gets them. You know, it, it is great. I think it's great. What did you think of that scene, Gail? Um, I mean, I think you all have hit it on the head. Um, it, it, it's it's exactly what the Coens do. They can't ever make one film in one genre. And it's hard to peg every film into just a single genre anyway. But I think that this scene in particular switches it from like a straight like drama to uh, drama slash horror. I think I felt like at, at the beginning, like we're watching like this killer on the loose maybe action to this absolute like like 80s 90s thriller like that's what I felt from this and they they nailed it and 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 Mm -hmm. yeah I I think that I think that's what we get from this from this scene Shigur killing Wells this is just like another this is we saw the scene between him and, and the guy in the gas station this is you know Wells is slightly more formidable, formidable than this guy, but I guess not much because he just, you know, w- once he walks up his steps and you see like Shigur just slowly creeping up behind him and hello, Carson, let's go to your room. And, you know, w- Wells is supposed to be like this, you know, that's, that's why I had questions about him. He was supposed to be like this elite bounty hunter. You know, you probably could have made a run for it right then, but he just goes into his room, willingly sits down and you just see the shot of Shigur sitting down with the gun pointed almost like at the viewer at that point and it's just he just he just fires off the bumper sticker quotes here he's like you know if the rule you followed brought you to this of what of what use was the rule just like jesus christ and i love i love their dialogue he's do you have any idea just how crazy you are it's like you mean the nature of this conversation yeah right (laughs) no i mean the nature of you (laughs) and just the phone ringing in the middle of all this when that phone rang I jumped and I'm, I'm usually pretty good about that, those moments, but like, because there's no diet, there's no music 
Mm-hmm. There's movie. no music in any of this movie yeah, except for like on screen music. Right. Yeah, diegetic music, but that's it. There's no music. Everything you feel is just like straight on, like <laughs> you have to feel it. And so when that phone rings, like it's so loud after having nothing else that I, I don't know that you could watch this and not have a moment of like, oh, wait, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a whole other world. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm over watching. Sorry, I had to stop because that phone ringing got me so bad last night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's smiling too the whole time. Like Shigur is genuinely enjoying the situation. Like I have your life in my hands. I'm going to kill you. you you're you're fucked. And you know he's, he's... Like, do what you love. You never work a day in right. your life. Like <laughs> <laughs> you just blow up a pharmacy, a car outside a pharmacy, and and. <laughs> Wander he back he knows. Forward. He knows he's the superstar employee of the month. Like oh, he's God. great. Yeah, just yeah. What would you think? Any thoughts on that scene? The Wells death. Uh, I mean, so I when I first saw the movie, I it, it took me by complete surprise. Right, like I I was blown away. I I didn't really think about it at all. I. I just, I expected him to get him. Like, that's yeah. just kind of what I thought. Like, he was, he was the match for Anton Chigurh. And then, I mean, I've seen the film probably half a dozen times at this point. And the more I see it, the more I just see a man who, um, yeah, I mean, he might be too big for his britches and he he's taking on more than he can chew, but he thinks he can chew it. But I also, I really think there's this underlying, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Like, he can't say anything about Chigurh without saying, you know, it, you can't run from him. Basically, is what he tells is what he tells Llewellyn in the hospital room. I mean, it's. I, I don't. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to see. Like, is this a man who knew what he was taking on and knew he was going to fail, or did he really? Did he re? Was he so delusional that he thought that he could take on Shigur? I I don't know. I don't know. Still, it's 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 crazy when, especially when they come into the movie. I did think of. A barbarian a little bit kind of the, the tonal shift because mm. in that movie we get this like straight up horror movie and then all of a sudden we're, we, we're with Justin Long in a convertible and right it, it's like the Janet Lee kill in Psycho right like you're ex- or the Drew Barrymore like you're expecting more from Woody Woody Harrelson you know that Tommy Lee Jones you know that he can't do it you know that he is not he he's doing a great job he's a great investigator but he's also what 70 years old like he's not going to go out there on a manhunt for Anton Chigurh like that's too much for him and so, he knows he knows he's yeah he, he knows. says as much. oh he knows um but he also had hope that he thought that he thought that he could do it like and he that's always going to be his white whale right so um yeah it's 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 an interesting, it's an interesting character to have in this movie. And I think that it adds a lot of layer to the movie um, and a lot of layer to the characters, every character that I, I think he's a really important pivotal character. And this is an important scene. Yeah. It, it's, it's not fun to watch, but yeah, like I said, important. The last two I got here are kind of the end scenes here, Shigur and Carly Jean, and then the end monologue of Tommy Lee Jones. Did either of you have anything you want to hit on before we got go there? Uh, maybe not before, but I definitely do want to hit on the scene where Tommy Lee Jones goes to the former deputy's house. Yeah, uh, and talks to him because I think that's oh yeah. Asner. Is that out of Asner? No, 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 no. Um, that's my bad. It's is it his brother? No, it was his dad's former deputy. 
Okay. Yeah. His, one of them, either his dad or his grandpa's former deputy is who it was. Because he had mentioned like my wife, how Tommy Lee Jones' wife calls him. Yeah, and I think I think it's that Tommy Lee Jones is just looking in on him, you know, because he's still alive and kicking um, with a lot of cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where? Uh... Oh, it is Barry. It is Barry Corbin. Really? Yeah. He was like towards the top of the cast list. I'm looking at the bottom because yes, like... it's Barry oh, Corbin. Okay, so yeah, Barry Corbin. Um, where should we go from here? Um, yeah, that scene, that scene, um, the scene when when Tommy Lee Jones drives out to that farmhouse and it's um, you know Barry Corbin is Ellis. Do we we got mm-hmm. uh, Barry? You know, and, and he goes in and the house is pretty messy and a lot of cats. And then you see this guy and you realize he's in a wheelchair and. He's like, you know, do you make fresh coffee ever? And he goes, oh, about once a week or whatever. Oh, man. And I was like, okay, so it's a guy who's alone, right? Like everybody else has left him. Tommy Lee Jones is just the kind soul who checks in on him to make sure he's not dead on the floor. And to talk, you know, but I also think the reason the scene stuck out to me so much is because at the beginning, Tommy Lee Jones says, I love listening to the old stories. I love listening to the stories about the guys who did this before I did. Um, And you know, and Ellis talks about, you know, how about some of the old timers, but, but I think Tommy Lee Jones says, you know, something like, um, you know, what, what is the problem here? And, and Ellis is the one who says this, he literally drops almost the title. This isn't a country for old men. You know, this isn't a place for, for old guys. Um, if you live long enough, then you need to know when, when you're done, because you can't stop what's coming. Right. And I think that of course is the Mm -hmm. crux of this movie is, and they kind of get into it later when he's at the restaurant with the old guy who's like, Texas is going to hell. But basically, you can't stop this. And the the line that I wrote down that was so profound to me was, you can't stop what what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. And that idea of like, you lived. You have to let that, you know, because if you keep chasing what you didn't get, you're just going to waste all the time you have left. Um it's one of those where you're like, oh, you're right. I hate it, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I just love that scene. It's, it's a good scene. Uh, it, it's one that I think maybe slips under the radar because it is just them talking at this dirty counter. But it's a really the fun... conversations in this are just as good as the, the action sequences. Yes, yes, and right. and, re- and they require your patience, but it's worth it if you let it happen. So, um... and they're also they're captivating. Like, yes, they require your patience, and in probably lesser actors' hands, they would be tedious. But these actors took these words and made them complicated and. Yeah compelling and i mean it's mccarthy anyway right so you're gonna get you're gonna get some great writing but um it's there's just this is this is a movie above all like this i agree like when you said dave like this is a five-star movie i've done the same like this is a five-star movie to me too and 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 it's because of things like this the monologue the the scene um that glenn was just talking about where um tommy lee jones goes and talks with one of his father's friends like it's it's all important and, and it's and it's just another where it's like could we have gotten rid of it i guess but i what don't do you think lose? so what what do you lose when you don't let when you when you don't ha- you know I think what you lose is the sense of this guy who's realizing his time is coming to an end. Who's and that's the entire movie. Tommy right. Lee Jones is the movie. It's not Llewellyn. It's not Shigul. 
I agree. They're the they're the story that Tommy Lee Jones sits with at the end of the day. They're the they're the tale of regret. That's why he dreams about um, losing his father's money. Like and 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 he doesn't even know that he regrets it right now, right? He has no idea that that's what he's sitting on, but he's always going to sit on it, and the world is always going to change, and he's not going to fit in it anymore, and that's just how it's going to end. And I think that that scene is more important than the shootout scene, right? Because this is more important to the whole of the film. So you heard it here first. No, I agree. <laughs> I, agree. Uh, uh, I and I that was brilliant. Um, Gail, in return, that was brilliant. That was a really good. Thanks. Yes, I agree as well. All right, Dave, your turn. Come on, brilliant, brilliant. I know, I Come on, Dave, brilliant. brilliant. This, you, you picked you picked the wrong of the three of us <laughs> to say something brilliant. Shigura Carly Jean. So we talked about earlier, we oh. hit on, there are some slight differences from the book to the movie. Um, for, I, like I said, I haven't read the book, but from what I read from doing research, in this scene in the book, Carly Jean kind of pleads for her life a little bit. And Kelly McDonald's portrayal of it is, she's just tired. And she just kind of accepts her fate. She talks, she tells him, you know, I, I don't have the money. She's like, I just have a pile of bills and I just have my mom's funeral that I can't even pay for either. And, you know, Shigar just coldly says, I, I wouldn't worry about it. It's like, yeah, you know where this is going. And they, they did leave it like ambiguous. Like we don't see him kill her, but he killed her. We, we know that, that she died, but I guess that the door is slightly ajar and it just, it, it just ends and walks out. He checks his boots and he gets in a car accident and just the bone sticking out of his, his arm is just disgusting. But, you know, we saw him patch himself up earlier. We know he'll probably oh. just do the same thing again. And he, he just walks away. This isn't mm -hmm. the last scene in the movie, but it, you know, it could have been. Gail, what would you think of that scene? So we had touched on this scene earlier and I, it's, it's again, one of those compelling face-to-face -face with Shakur, Shakur scenes that you can't turn away from and especially since initially with the store owner, you assume his fate and you assume wrong. And so here you have a little bit of hope because of that scene and you're just sitting there waiting to see what she calls. You really want to know what she calls, um, but she won't do it. And he quietly walks out of that walks out of that house and checks the bottom of his boots. And that's so haunting when he looks at his boots like that. Like it's, it, uh, it says more in just one glimpse than him shooting him in the face on camera could have said her in the face. I said him. Yeah. Cause like a scene earlier where he's the guy with the chickens in the car and he's like, can you take the like, chickens out of the bed? <laughs> yeah. And then he's hosing down the bag, dude. Oh my God. It's so good. It's like, you, you don't have to see it to know. Yeah, that, you, you know. know. Oh, Shigor. But how great we is the can read you. Flying? Like that's a trope of like, oh my you know, gosh. in the hen house type thing. It's silly. It's, yeah, like it's, it's silly. Oh, God. Oh. The accountant yeah. as well. We don't see his death, but we know that guy died. He's like, are you going to mm. shoot me? Like, <laughs> do you see me? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I like the, these are good choices by the Cohens. Just we know these people all died, but, you know, you don't need to see all this carnage. Let, let me put it this way, too. Like, with the with the scene with Carla Jean, it is perhaps the only one in the movie that actually breaks my heart a little bit because of what you said, Gail, where it's like, we want to know what happens. Even though we do know what happens, 
she's the like everyone else i'm like okay you died and that's horrible and i like it was sugar is 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 a, is a serial killer and a sociopath we get it but with her you're like not her let her go let let her go and he and he does it and you just oh it just breaks my heart every made, every made a promise yeah he did and you know that he's gonna follow mm-hmm. through on it but you're just like not her anybody like almost like i feel like anybody else she didn't do anything she didn't do anything literally she works at walmart or worked at she walmart. didn't do a uh, goddamn thing uh, <laughs> breaks my heart. so the end scene i gotta admit i i at least i full-on cry or i get choked up when i watch the scene like just about every time yeah and, and it's, i it's said just that like, sorry i i was just no, gonna go say I, ju- I said the exact same thing like we were watching it and um i like i said i've seen this half a dozen times and i i've said on this podcast before and i'll, I'll say it again i'm not somebody who really re-watches movies a lot but there's something about this one that i will put it on one time I put it on as like background noise. I'm like, I'm just going to put this on while I read a book. What was I thinking? Like, that's not a background noise movie. So here I am watching Frendo and hoping he gets away. And, um, but at the end of this movie, I always like, I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. It just stops. It just stops. And like, you're left there to sit with what Tommy Lee Jones sits with. Like, you're left there to sit with just his own fucking thoughts, his own fucking retirement, his own fucking mortality. And it's like, sorry, I'm, I'm cursing a lot. I don't know if you no, want to edit no, that no. out. I hope you don't, because um, no. it matters. But it's, <laughs> it's, oh man, it is so impactful. It is so powerful. And it's so whisper quiet. It's, it's one of the most powerful endings I've ever seen to a movie. And he's just, he's talking about the, these dreams. He had two dreams about his father and they're, they're riding horseback in the snow. And he just said in the dream, he was going on ahead and he was fixing to make a fire out there in all that dark and cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he would be there. And then there's just uh. a pause and he's like, and then I woke up at a end credits, like, and he talk. he also talks about how and this is something that haunts me and i know that people who are older it haunts them too once they reach that age that their parents reached and then extend past it he talks about how like i'm older now than my father ever was so i guess he was the yeah yeah he was the younger man and so it's like damn like that's just so heavy in what 38 seconds like what did you just lay on me like it's so hard it's so hard um, yeah, because we go from seeing Sugar's bone sticking out of his arm to this. Just right? like, yeah, it's it. Uh, that's why this movie rules. Yeah. Glenn, what'd you think of the ending? I mean, you you actually kind of put what I was going to bring up just now, which is we see Sugar walk away, and everyone's going, "No, no, 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 no! That's not how this ends." And then, of course, it does. And then it jumps to this scene where it's just Tommy Lee Jones giving this monologue. And, um, you know, for this, it's like, I, I can't think of a better way to end a movie about meeting fate than to have a guy who's literally just going, I can't escape fate. I just don't know when it's going to happen. You know, like, and Tommy Lee Jones is one of the few actors I can think of where you'd be like, yeah, just keep going. Just keep laying it on, man. I want to hear it. Um, 
because he's not giving you a lot of inflection. He's not giving you a lot of emotion. It's just, this is what I saw, black. And it's enough to make you say, what the fuck? <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it, yeah. I like how in, in their next film, too, the Coen brothers, it kind of ends similarly, uh, Burn After Reading. Not oh, nearly wow, as powerful, yeah. but it ends with Jake no, but... giving, like, like, I don't even know what we did. What did we learn? Yeah. Don't do yeah. it again. How often, how, and how often they ask that question in their movies. A Serious Man ends uh, with uh, him staring down a tornado. What did we get from this? Nothing. <laughs> you, and, 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 and I think too often movies want you to feel like either really down or really up. And these movies very often just go, we don't know either. Good <laughs> luck. Go figure it out yourself. And, and, People don't like it all the time, but the Coen brothers do it well. And that's, yeah. we, I wish we had a little bit more of that. Yeah. 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 Powerful ending. This, this movie rules. Mm -hmm. I, I might watch it again this week. <laughs> <laughs> you after, have, like, after you, you have watch, to. Uh, after you watch the other one that you have in your. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Blood Simple. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be on there. All right. According to the internet, I like to start these with the, the casting almost here. This It's kind of a big one. The role of Llewellyn Moss was originally offered to Heath Ledger, who declined to Aww. spend time with his newborn daughter and <laughs> took some time off. And it, you know, kind of worked out for everybody because he gave him time to play the Joker about a year later. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, did it work out? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? If you know that his he reason was, I want to spend time with my newborn daughter. And then we all know what was coming a couple years down the road. Yeah. That well, was would the that right have happened choice. if he didn't play the Joker? Well, and if he if he had taken Llewellyn, would he have played the Joker? We never know what fate has in store for us, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Why <laughs> Carry that, that, Carry that torch. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He's oh. young. He's really young at this yeah. point. He's he's a little too young, I think. Yeah. So this probably worked out. I like Brolin's great in this. I I don't either of you. Yeah, also, your day on that. I mean, it also, for like I said, for me, it gave Brolin kind of a jump start that I think he probably needed for people to see more of his stuff. Um, Heath Ledger had already done several things that put him out there. So could Heath Ledger have done it? 100 fucking percent. I have no doubt that he could have pulled that role off and done it well. But, you know, I love Josh Brolin in this. So I would rather have Josh Brolin. All right. So I another don't particular... one here. Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no I was just going to say, I don't, I don't love Josh Brolin in this. I think he's fine. Right. I, I don't really have bad any, opinions. It's fine. I don't. I don't really have any strong feelings either way. He didn't move me in this film. It's, um, it's so it's so Bardem heavy that and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I and I think that might just be it. I think anybody who played this role plays third third fiddle to those two. So maybe that's just me being unfair to to Josh Brolin. You know what, Josh? I'll give you a shot. No. <laughs> go watch some others just just you know there's a few other pieces i think that are that all right he stands out and better than this so i i can see your all right all right so bardem nearly had to drop out of this due to a scheduling conflict thankfully it was resolved and, but he was almost replaced with mark strong which could have worked but no this is this is bardem's role but strong is a good good heavy I really like Mark Strong. I I can see the I can see him doing it. I I 
everything I've ever seen Mark Strong in, I had to, I mean, I fully admit right now I had to pull up his name just to make sure that I was thinking of the right person. I just did the same thing. So <laughs> you know what? I'm good with Bardem. And but, I, I also, I feel like Bardem's accent, his his broken English made Shigura a lot more interesting than a British actor would have. Yeah. Um, I, I only point to that simply for like, do I think he could have done it? I do. I do think he could have played the role well. I just, I agree. Javier Bardem was 100% the, like, it w- it just would have been an entirely different movie at that point with Mark Strong. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine Ledger and Mark Strong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so hard though, because I mean, really, and I'm going to go back to it again and again and again, but that opening, that opening with Javier Bardem's face, like in 2007, when I saw that in a theater and I was what, like 25-ish years old, I, I had, and I had seen a lot of fucked up movies at that point. Like my goal was to watch disturbing movies. And this was just Coen Brothers. This was Raising Arizona, Big Lebowski, Coen Brothers. And I see that look on his face that no other actor I have ever seen have on their face. Like I'm, I, I can't imagine anybody but him playing this, this role. And that's right around the time Mark Strong did Stardust too, which if if you've ever seen it, that's a that's a sleeper that a lot of people haven't seen in Stardust. It's kind of a high, higher fantasy, you know, um, like fairy tale. Is that with Robert De Niro? Uh, yes, uh, he okay. plays a skyship oh. captain, and it's it's one of those where it's like um, let your let your belief go, let your suspension of disbelief happen because it's it's really meant to be a fairy tale. But like that's kind of where I definitely see Mark Strong in those more over-the-top roles uh, and so this one mm. i think javier bardem because people didn't really know who he was yet he just fit it so goddamn well that we yeah. we could let him be anything so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. glenn you said you had something about uh roger ebert oh yeah i just i want to point people to if, if you you know if you are ever curious about like the reception of this movie at the time it got really great reception but one that always strikes me is the way roger ebert talked about it he he gave this thing four stars uh he he um, he kind of talks about what he loves about it. Obviously, that's the way all of his reviews were. Um, but you know, he he uh, he's one line that stuck out. Consider another scene. He's talking about the um, uh, the scene where Moss is trying to, um, or I'm sorry, uh, give me one moment here. Uh, he's talking about the scene where Moss is confronting Sugar, and uh, uh, and then he jumps into the gas station scene with the coin flip and he says with the gas station scene uh, with the coin flip consider another scene in which the dialogue is as good as any you'll hear this year you know roger ebert like thought this film was a masterpiece and that's not something roger ebert ever said lightly so uh, don't you miss him like don't you miss him so much pressure on films i miss i miss the way he would he would make you go i love this film did you though or were (laughs) you just going to the movies because you wanted to see a movie because um, those are two different things, and they're both valid. I, but I think Roger Ebert, though, I think he was so he was so ahead of his time. He was so insightful, and you're right. Like he did put pressure on films, especially just popcorn movies, right? Where especially when you were looking at Siskel and Ebert, where Siskel was a little bit more forgiving, yes, and um, and and Roger just never never was. But he had his guilty pleasures that he stood by and he defended. So, um, I mean, I. I have a soft spot for him. I, I've always loved him. I've always loved to hear him argue and defend his points and and be very sickened by film at times. But I just I love him. And I, this is a great review. Thanks for pointing us to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he 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 
another just a line he says this movie is a masterful evocation of time place character moral choices immoral certainties human nature and fate and i agree with you gail i think the thing that i'm pointing to it for you know according to the internet this is a section where we point out things that are interesting to us um he he would tell you if a film was fun but not good he'd be like shut your brain off it's okay but mm-hmm. the inverse of it is this film is a masterpiece and you have to let it in. You have to just say, okay, like you said, Gail, it grips you, but you have to walk in and say, I'm here. I'm here. Let's go. You know, because if you don't, you, it's not background noise either. As you rightly pointed out, you can't just put it on. Surely go, not. I'm good. Let me go do my laundry. Like you're going to be pulling the towel just like this. For two. I was holding it up and just unfolding. It for an hour. So, be ready. I just sat there with a coin in my hand the whole time. Why I was, was I flipping? Compulsive flipping. I had started flipping a coin. I was about to choose some. Uh, I just want to point to it. I think, uh, you know, that's why we dive into these movies this way is to kind of figure out like, did other people feel the same way? I think people felt the same way. This this movie's worth every bit of what we're talking about. Yeah, mostly the, mm-hmm. the praise I read. It was mostly universal praise. I forget which one. I think it might have been the New York Times. I'm shocked, like, I tell you. I'm shocked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were dismissive of the way the Brolin was time. killed off screen. They didn't like that. The, this character, they their gripe was that he was given an anticlimactic death, but you know, that's that's the Colin Brothers. Oh. And, and it's also that... part of the yeah, go ahead. Oh God, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt Gail. I just, I, the scene is not about his death. The scene is about no. Carla Jean's reaction yep. and Tommy Lee Jones reaction and all yep. the people going, oh my God, we didn't get it in time. Yeah. It's so this important. The only character that this is about is Tommy Lee Jones. And even then he's just a symbol for a larger, a larger, you know, population. This is not about Llewellyn. This is not about Shigor. This is not about Carla Jean, Carla Jean, as much as we love her. Um, it's about, it's about Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Tommy Lee Jones, the actor. It's about him. <laughs> and it's, and it's about the role of the, the, the the dying generation what they are to do and what they are leaving this for and that's what every piece of this movie every missing piece of this movie is is meant to fill in i i don't know i i don't think it i don't I agree think it's important I, at I, all follow that trail follow but, that trail i love it I love yeah it. i wanted to point out the one there were they're they're out there you always find that one guy who had you know i mean here's the other part though this movie has a 92 meta score on imdb a lot of people don't pay attention to that because it's just the aggregate of all the different reviews from reviewers professional reviewers that almost never happens that the movies are that high they might be at green you know up in the 80s but like Mm -hmm. usually there's three or four reviews that are like this movie was crap um, this is one of those movies where, like I, you said, I think maybe one or two that I saw that were like, yeah. and even they were like, it's a good movie. I just didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so. All right. So two more I got here. Brolin, he was filming Planet Terror when he was trying to get the role of Llewellyn. So he asked Robert Rodriguez if he could use one of his cameras to send an audition tape. Mm. So he made an audition tape for this movie with Marley Shelton. Play, who played his wife in that movie playing the role of Carla Jean or Carly Jean. So that's cool. I, I, I looked for it online. It, it's not on YouTube, but that was, that was how he, he auditioned for this. 
long gone are the days of wonderful DVD features where it's like, here's the six audition tapes. I... And you're like, yeah. oh man, you know what? I didn't need to watch them, but I will because cool. Uh, <laughs> and like the three different commentaries, like, oh. I, I mean, how many times have you sat there listening to the Lord of the Rings commentary? I haven't, but you know what? My husband has a million times and I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it a million times. <laughs> oh. Oh. I, I, lo I long for those days. Well, now, you know, yeah. we're getting nostalgic. Let's stop. We're talking. No, let's move on. <laughs> There's no country for these old men. Oh, God. <laughs> these old DVDs. Uh, okay. All right, last one here, just kind of anecdotal. The case that holds the money is the same case used in Fargo to hold the, the money as well. So it's this, it's the oh. same same prop. I, so. I have same prop that they buried. Theories that like all of their movies actually happen in the same in the like, same universe. In the same universe. I think that's crap, but I love I love when those I like, kind of like it. I mean, there's a lot of the same actors, so it doesn't make total sense. But right. I like I like the theory, just like the Quentin Tarantino universe, right? Yeah, like I right, like yeah. the Coen Brothers universe. I like that these are all happening together. I like that Shigure is in the same universe as William H Macy's um, character in Fargo, who I can't remember the name of, right. but like that <laughs> that just fucking ballless sack who's like trying to scream out a window as he's running oh, away. Like, God. oh man, how? I mean, I I put that theory up on the same level as the one where where they're like, he was dead the whole time, and that's why this. It's like, no, stop. We've heard that theory. It never pans out. Okay, the way but it that. was the sixth sense, Glenn. I understand that. <laughs> the sixth sense actually did it. So instead of pretending like it happened, they just did it. My point being, um, I you know maybe the case is just a carryover, Dave. Maybe maybe they were, maybe it's they just were reusing props. Be, yeah. Like it was yeah. a money saving trick. Got a case, guys. <laughs> also, half half. Why of the buy time a new before, one? Before he found the transponder in the money, I thought it was the case, and I went, "Well, you're really stupid to keep the case. Like, put the money in a different bag." But then you realize, like, there's a moment where he wasn't as bright as he should have been to check. He just the money. kept making mistakes. He just yeah. kept making mistakes. Yeah, he was going to get caught. It was inevitable. He was going. He, to ah, get it caught. was inevitable. Sorry, that deep cut. Enjoy. Inevitable. Have fun. <laughs> people are gonna right. shut us off now sorry uh there we go no um i that's it for the internet stuff trivia i have a trivia question here there are hundreds of movies with the word country in the title oh, oh. i found a lot of them some that i didn't know exist <laughs> i i would say every one of these i didn't know existed until today so i'm gonna give you a list and one of these is a fake movie so which one is mm -hmm. the fake movie okay we have one aptly titled, just keep it simple, Country. That's the name of the movie. Or is it? Mm -hmm. From 1984. This stars Jessica Lang and Sam Shepard. They play farmers who are having financial problems. That's the plot. Or is it? Wine Country. This is from 2019, starring Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph. And they play lifelong friends reminiscing on their life choices as one does or as two do unpolished country this is from 2007 or is it this stars kevin costner and amy adams and they play an estranged father and daughter attempting to reconcile their relationship after the death of her mother and his wife and we have north country this is from 05 or is it and it's with charlie Theron and 
and Jeremy Renner. And it's about a minor who presses sexual harassment charges against her boss. And this is based on a true story. Or is it? In My Country is the last one. 2004. This is Samuel L. Jackson and Juliette Binoche. And they play a journalist and a poet who form a romance in South Africa. Mm-hmm. One of those. Or Sorry. <laughs> one of these is fake. Gail, what do you think? I think it's the um, unpolished country. Okay. Glenn, yeah, I have you? to. I have to agree. That sounds like Kevin Costner does some shitty shit, but I don't feel like that's his shit. I don't think he ever played Amy Adams' dad, but if he did, like, please give me the link where I can watch that. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, you're both getting on to my my tricks because we've we've podcasted too many times together. Well, that, that was uh, it. I can totally buy country. Like, of course, there's yeah. a country. I can totally buy wine country because that sounds like an Amy Poehler movie. That's real because I saw a clip from it and I laughed because Rachel Dratch was in it, and I know she's over the top. I always laugh at her, so um, yeah. yeah, it was good. But I just when you said Kevin Costner, I was like, what? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> But, but here we got it. I want to check out the uh, the Samuel L. and Juliet Binoche one. Yeah. Same. Oh, yeah. my God. Two silver foxes out there. Yeah. Doing it yeah, up. That, put that on the list. All right. Awards time. MVP. Why don't we just do that one first? Is, is anyone going edgy? Um, no. I, okay. I feel like it comes down to two. So I feel like. Who was. Okay. Well, was it Tommy Lee and Bardem? I think so. Yeah. Um, and I'd be curious to know which way you both went. I feel like you both went Javier Bardem. But I, I did. For so. the reasons this was kind of like his best performance. He won an Oscar for it. And I didn't know who this guy was before this. Mm-hmm. I know Gail did. But yeah, this the highlight of the movie. Even if you haven't seen this movie, you probably know who Anton Chigurh is or just know that face and that haircut. Yeah, you know that haircut. I got that haircut. So... <laughs> <laughs> so gross like, it's such a give bad me give me the sugar um yeah that's it that's a good pick i uh i you know i it's hard for me it's a toss-up because yeah like i love this movie because of javier bardem and i don't think anyone else could have played it but i i when Glenn, you made a good point in that like Tommy Lee Jones delivering these monologues with his quiet way, his quiet, resigned way of delivering. I can't really think of anybody else that I would see deliver these in such a powerfully quiet way. And I think I'm going to lean into Tommy Lee. I think I'm going to lean into Tommy Lee. Yeah. I like it. That'll give me some poll material. All right. So I went Bardem. Gail's going Tommy Lee. I I think I'm also going Tommy Lee Jones simply for the weight he has had in my movie watching life, knowing Mm -hmm. how much like Javier Bardem. I I'm not gonna be mad if Javier Bardem wins the poll on Instagram because he definitely would have earned it. But like, there's just something about Tommy Lee Jones in this real like, yeah, I I can't get past it. So I I think I'm gonna go that way too. Yeah, and then go throw on the Fugitive, right? Like, come on. Another sleeper for folks, well, maybe not a sleeper if you were in the, around in the 90s, is U.S. Marshals. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. is in that. And he, yeah, that was it, a sequel to The Fugitive. Was it yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. plays the same character. Same I guy. Well, you know, yeah, do a double header, everybody. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're great movies. They're both. Yeah. So good. Wesley Snipes was in that too. I think that was yes. the guy they were, they were hunting, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a banger. All right. Six man. Six, six man. Blah, can't speak. Um, I went with a woman. I went Kelly McDonald for kind of the same yeah. reason I went with Bardem. I really had no awareness of her until this. I was a toss up between her or Woody, but I don't think this, when you think of like the career of Woody Harrelson, you necessarily go back, even though this was one of the bigger films he's in. I don't know if this is one of his bigger roles. So I, I think this was kind of, I didn't see train spotting. I think if I saw train spotting a couple of years prior, I would have had more of an awareness of her. And I don't know if this would have had the same impact. But this was kind of the first time that Kelly McDonald as an actor was was someone I noticed and she would go around, really enjoyed her character on Boardwalk Empire. And I don't know if it would have the same impact if I hadn't seen this before. So I went Kelly McDonald as my sixth, in this case, sixth woman as Carly Jean. Gail? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really great pick and probably who I would pick if the most impactful scene in the movie to me was not with Gene Jones. Have to pick Gene Jones. I have okay. to. I have to lean into him because I just the just <laughs> the pity that Anton Shigur feels for him. I feel it too. Like I, you know, you don't want to side with Shigur, but I get it. Like I get it. So Gene Jones, man, like he he that four minutes of cinema is is brilliant, brilliant filmmaking. I had to check. I was like, is he still alive? He is. And <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he he'll is. be happy. He'll be yeah, happy. Brendo's here. Just send him a link. Let Gene. him know. Let him know. <laughs> Gene, uh, congratulations. Wow, there you go. Uh, and Glenn, how about you? You know, I normally, I, I thought I was going to be edgy with Kelly McDonald because that's my pick too. But I, I understand the Gene Jones. And again, another one where I'm like, wait, way to point to that because that four minutes is super important to this movie. I just... I cannot get over how much I love Kelly McDonald. Yeah. Whole thing. So I'm, I'm going to go with her. Don't right. you just want to like take care of her too? Like, I just want her to be okay. That girl's not okay. But like, I just want to, I want to order a pizza and be like, let's just, let's just talk it out, girl. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I want to hear what she's been through. I want to imagine that he was checking the bottom of his boots because he smelled something weird on him. Not because he was checking for her blood, but like, I want to imagine that she gets out of there. Okay. We all know she does not, but I want to hear her story. And we'll never she's hear also it. the hope stolen character, right? She worked at yeah. Walmart, got $2 million, had the $2 million so, get taken away. It was, you know, it, so there's another movie and this is just kind of tangential, but not super tangential. There's another movie that I always think about when I watch this and no, it's not, um, there will be blood, which came out the same year, which <laughs> just, those two should never have come out the same oh. year because they always get confused in my brain and they're both brilliant, both brilliant movies. But, um, <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all have seen A Simple Plan. It's with Bill Paxton, um, yes. Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. Um, it is brilliant, and it, it puts them right in the same exact mess, right? It puts them in the same mess of they found this money. What are they going to do with it? But that's the movie, whereas this is that's just a tale in his history, right? Like that's just like Llewellyn, Anton Chigurh, they just pass on by in this movie in the tale of Tommy Lee Jones. But um, a simple plan, if you want to kind of know a little bit more about what would you do if you found just a bag full of cash? Like it's a really good movie to watch. And um, the, the gosh, I can't remember who the woman is in that, but um, I'm looking it up right now, but 
uh, I think it's Holly Hunter, actually, which that is a nice right. little treat. Yeah, that's awesome. no, it's Bridget Fonda. Same, same, same guy. <laughs> they kind of look the same. So close. So, okay. so close. Um, <laughs> oh, that's I knew Sam I Raimi didn't want to say. Yeah. yeah, so highly recommend that. Um, but um, Bridget Fonda's character is kind of put into the exact same position as um, Carly Jean, where uh, this just kind of gets gets put on her lap, and uh, she just kind of gets to live with the hope or does she? And that's like Carly Jean has that too. Like she has this hope. I don't even think you get to feel that hope from her because the entire time she's just trepidatious about it. She's like, really shouldn't do this. You're not bringing that water. Like stop making these fucking stupid decisions, Luella. You have the money, walk away. Yeah, walk away. But yeah, she's the voice of reason and the voice of hope. And that's a good pick. All right, so we got a couple of polls. I, I, Some I, good I'm polls. I think I'm, so. I'm happy we have the poll. I, I th- thought the uh, the Bardem. <laughs> David, that I was like, I'm glad. Like I'm, that. No, it's not a complaint. I'm glad that I'll have a poll there. I would have found one just to have a poll because I like them that much. All right. I like people picking. <laughs> I like fights. <laughs> it's like you're actually in one of the movie matchups, like yourself. Mm-hmm. I do that. I I stir the pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a, what an original thing for a white man to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gail, what's something good you watch this week? Oh geez, there's a lot of good stuff happening this week, right? So like with TV, we've got Yellow Jackets is back. And you know, I'll tell you, I love Yellow Jackets so much. Some of the dialogue is a little bit hokey at this point, but I still love yeah. love that that show. Um and then the opposite of hokey dialogue, we have Succession is back. And it just, every line is more brilliant than the line before. Succession is a masterclass in delivering, writing, comedy. In it's just, I can't, I was so hesitant to watch Succession. Dave, I think maybe it was you that kind of convinced me to watch it during a podcast or Annoyed, something. Annoyed, convinced, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> I was like, why do I want to watch white men and white people just like privileged people just be mad at each other? And no, no, no. This is Shakespearean comedy at its best. Like this could not be any better. Um, I'm I'm so happy with it. And I laugh so much when I watch it. Uh, And then I recently, we rewatched a... um, God, I don't know how to say his name. He's French. So I'm going to say like Denis Villeneuve, like Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve. I know. I, I don't know. I've been watching Emily in Paris and doing some Duolingo. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we, uh, my husband and I, we've been wanting to rewatch Prisoners for a really long time. And we finally found three hours to do it in. And, um, you know, it holds up. It's a really, it's a great film. It's, uh, it's such a, in the, in the two and a half hours that it runs, it's such a tight thriller. And, um, you have, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, you have Hugh Jackman, um, Terrence Howard, Vila Davis, like there, it's an all-star studded cast. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really packed. Oh my God, Dano! You don't know where he's coming from, but Dano in that movie, oof. Um, yeah, I 
I think when I first saw that movie, which was like 2013 when it came out, when Dano, there's a, there's a, there's a line that he says when uh, Hugh Jackman's character is like confronting him. And he said like, they, they, they didn't scream until I left them. Like that gave me the same chills as the Anton Chigurh chills. And I, uh, I love prisoners. Like I love it. So um, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Denis Villeneuve, he um, is directing Dune. He's done Enemy. Um, what else? Incendies. Yeah, yeah, Arrival. Oh, Arrival, so good. Uh, where Kevin Costner plays Amy Adams' dad. Um, <laughs> Circle of Life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I love that. And then Succession, Yellow Jackets, you know, usual fare. Yeah, yeah, good good month for TV. This is definitely yeah. well, this is the month where they, they jam all the shows in, they qualify for the Emmys. So, yeah. And Barry starts, I think Barry, is Barry? No. Oh, God. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. so excited yeah i know barry and succession i'm on the same night that's going to be a sad sad but epic tv night they end on the same night yeah oh yeah barry's seasons okay. are usually eight episodes so i yeah makes sense well Special. glenn what'd you I'll watch buckle up. Uh, well i'll go a different direction completely uh okay. so recently checked out that action film rrr on netflix yes oh that, how that, is it it's so good uh it is i i really don't have a background in indian cinema like at all uh and my my wife does and she loves them and we were hanging out with a bunch of her friends and we put it on and it is three hours but it is two feature length movies like truly it's two movies and the whole time all of us were just like what this is insane and it just keeps getting more insane and it's about these two you know freedom fighters kind of going at each other the whole time so it's really really well done um it's got that indian dance and music that people love um won the oscar it won an oscar for that music Mm -hmm. and um and the movie it does that didn't even do the movie justice it's just like if you like action movies, this is action movies pumped up to like a thousand and in so many good ways. I, I couldn't get over it. I love thinking about fights on screen. This just took everything I wanted and was like, yep, we're doing it. We're doing it. If you thought it, we're probably going to do it. Um, so it's three hours, but it's probably one mm-hmm. of the fastest three hour movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, just wow. Um, and there's a great point in the middle where you're like, I can stop and take it a 10 minute break or stop tonight and come back tomorrow kind of thing. It's great. So uh, really great there Uh, on TV, obviously been following the new season of Ted Lasso because, you know, I stumped for Apple TV like crazy. Um, I love Ted Lasso. I'm sad that it's ending, but I'm glad that it's ending because I think they're going to tell a good way. Like it's, they said three seasons and they're really hopefully going to end it strong on three seasons, even though Dave Mm -hmm. doesn't agree that makes it go TV. Uh, I do. I think it's going to be a strong. Um, However, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, if it's not your cup of tea, but you do want comedy, uh, the other one I've been checking out that we just started watching uh, yesterday and have already blown through five episodes of is Shrinking, uh, which is Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford uh, and a few other really strong names. Um, you know, Jason Siegel doesn't always do things I love. This is, it's freaking hilarious. It's about a therapist who can't get his shit together. Uh, and he's trying to counsel other people to get their shit together while his shit's falling apart. And you'd think, I've seen that story. This is, it's funny. Like Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford to the max in this. It's hilarious. So also on Apple TV, if you're not spending that money every month, you should, uh, because they make great stuff. So, um, 
Yeah. Right. So I was listening to what you're saying, Glenn, but I just I had to look up something really quick because you stole mine and, and shrinking. <laughs> uh, it, you know what, though? You should also share what you feel because it was. Yeah. Worth- tell us about shrinking, so- because it's something that I wanted to watch, but I wasn't sure if it was actually going to be worth the watch. So good. Harrison Ford is, is doing TV. Like what, what a time to be alive. And he's just right. so good in this show. And Siegel, who's like, I like him, but he, I don't love him. You know what I mean? It was, he's he really kind of like in that, here though. He's so good. He, I, I like him when he does like a little, like, I wouldn't say this is a drama per se, but it's, it's a dark comedy probably is more where I would sit with it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's good. Jessica Williams in this from from Booksmart and she's yes. a Daily Show correspondent. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. she's she's really great in this. This is Ted Lasso is ending. This is kind of like taking the baton, I think, from it in terms of like the feel good show that they have. Wait, is it really like a feel good show with Harrison Ford in it? Like, yeah. is Harrison Ford Roy Kent? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. I would imagine this is Emmy catnip. This is uh, Jessica Williams, who I I'm trying to think of where I've seen her before. She plays another one of the therapists in their circle. Her name is Gabby in the show. Um, uh, It is just like a burst of energy on the screen. We are like, I, I love you the whole time you're there. Ted McGinley's in this and he's, he's great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, and Kristen Miller, I'm trying to think of what I know her from. Oh, Scrubs. She was in Scrubs. Yes, yes, yes. But a lot of people like, from other stuff is are in this and they're, they're all really good there's no like wasted are you talking dialogue. about ted mcginley the neighbor from married with children correct <laughs> yes and he is so, outstanding he is so funny he's in great every scene he's in because of and i don't want to give anything away i want you to watch it are you talking about Kristen miller from the drew carey show correct <laughs> yeah a lot of people is are this is this show stacked with with all of our favorites? It's almost it like is, Apple and it's also got some wow. young talent in it too. Like, wow! Honestly, I kind of went in the first episode like I'm giving it an episode, and if I'm not into it, I'm not going to bother. I've watched five in a day. It's good. It's, it's really wow. good. So yeah, I I, I love the show. I I, I finished it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say too much, but it ends great. And I already got picked up for season two. So it's, Um, you know, and they, that's kind of Apple's motif though. They did that with severance. They did that with um, loot, which is Maya Rudolph is a, you know, so like bad sisters, bad sisters. So shrinking is just another one of the hat tip of like, good Lord guys. Just if you're, if you're not on it, I understand there's a lot of prestige TV, a lot of great TV, but it is mm. worth, it is worth it if you want a new show, and they they know when to get out too because yes. they don't like just automatically renew everything. I'm trying to think of what the show was with Joseph Gordon Levitt, Mr. Uh, Mr. Corman. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, I, I, yeah, it was I, fine. But I, I was like, when they said the show was canceled, I, I was kind of like relieved. I was like, all right, now I don't feel like I need to watch this anymore. <laughs> right. Well, like Severance, right? Like that is only three seasons. They said, I think. Okay. Um maybe I, that's what i'm recalling i could be thinking wrong but it shouldn't run for more than that it should be a tight story and i think ted lasso like while it is a feel good if a feel good show and like look i like ted lasso i watch ted lasso i laugh at ted lasso it's hokey it's it's a nice television program um, I don't think women talk to each other the way that Keely and Rebecca talk to each other, but oh. you know what? It's nice to see. It's nice to see. 
So, um, but I don't think anybody talks to each other on that show like people talk to each no. other. No, so, here it's Lord. a fair point. Uh, the only person who talks to people like everybody talks to people is Roy Kent. Or yes, at yeah. least my inner monologue is Roy Kent. <laughs> oh, my outer monologue is full Roy Kent. People are talking to me they're like, well, he just grunted at me? And I'm like, uh. Oy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this is good to know about shrinking. Like, uh, and and two two recommendations. Wow, wow. Yeah, I endorse. Sorry to pull right, so you, Dave. Go... I want to hear what you have to say. All right. So, yeah, I, I called my Audible here for my TV. It was shrinking, but I'll, I'll go. I started Swarm, and this is on this is on Apple TV. This oh, yeah, is, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I believe Donald Glover signed like a long term deal with them for just to do stuff, and this was the, his first project post Atlanta. And he's the creator of this show. And it stars Dominique Fishback, who was in Judas and the Black Messiah. She's, you recognize her if you saw her. And this isn't even like subtle. This, this show is called Swarm. It's a take on the Beehive, the Beyonce fans who, you know, are, if you say anything about her, mean about her on social media, they, they will try to destroy your life. And this is about this character. Her name is Dre, I believe. Let me, yeah. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her name's Dre. And she's obsessed with this pop star named Nyjah. And uh, through an f- unfortunate series of events that happens to her, she winds up becoming a, a serial killer. And she winds up, starts killing all these people that she finds said bad things about this pop star online. I'm only three episodes into it. It's very, it's very dark. It's 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 a dark comedy, and there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens on it. But um, it's seven episodes, which is a weird number to have in a season. But I, I've watched the first two or three, I think two, and I'm gonna see where it goes. I think our friend uh, uh, Brian recommended it in the movie group, and that's mm-hmm. what made me want to watch it. Sound like something that's probably up his alley. Either of you on this, or was it on your radar? It it is on my list because. <laughs> It was one of those where I saw it on Apple TV, watched the trailer, and went, yeah, I, I could get into it. It just hasn't been on yet. And sure. I think for me, um, Apple TV does this kind of show so well. They did it with Physical, where Physical is a dark fucking comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, this feels another one where it's like, how did we get here? <laughs> like, where did you, you know? So I'm very excited to watch it. And I'm glad to hear that it's, you know. Yeah, it's seven episodes. So it's it's not a, a huge time suck. And the episodes are like 35 minutes long each. So I'm definitely, I'm watching, I'm, I'm probably watching like shit, like 20 shows right now and that I'm just yeah. juggling. So this just add one more to the pile. And for movies over the weekend, I watched Close. This is an A24 film. Yes. Uh, you know, I think this is the first, this is the first nine star movie. This first nine stars I gave to a movie this year. So I, I really enjoyed this a lot. This is about uh, two young, two young boys, their, their friendship. Uh, their name's Leo and Remy. They're about 13 and their friendship through you know tragedy gets gets disrupted i won't say too much um some some stuff happens and these two boys are like separated and it's the aftermath of their friendship ending it's, it's a really it's kind of like a, a simple film but it was very gutting and you know sometimes i, I catch these like foreign films that, that really have an impact on you and so far i, I guess I'm, it's early there really hasn't been like a, a movie that's really got me yet this year except for this one mm-hmm. this, is the, this is the highest rated movie i'd have so far for 23 same question e- either of you have this on your radar or heard of it oh yes oh yes this is 100 percent of the time like 
Um, I have a great art house theater here in the city, you know, called Music Box, which shows a lot of this stuff. This one and another one that came out recently called Full Time have both been kind of right at the top of my list of like, I've got okay. to see these movies. Um, and if you guys haven't heard of it, there is a uh, Music Box film, musicboxfilms.com. The art house actually like streams a lot of cool stuff online for a subscription fee. So if, if there's stuff that you can't find, like, cool. All worth right. checking out. Good to know. So. Yeah, that is good to know. I usually kind of wait. Um, a lot of art house movies will come out on Canopy, which is free with a library card. So if you have yes. Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y, um, you can get that or Hoopla that also is free with library card. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a librarian, but you can get a lot of free. No, um, do not apologize. I don't movies. ever want an apology for being a librarian. <laughs> so you can get a Thank lot of free stuff. Um, oh, yeah, you're welcome for my service. Um, a lot of free stuff uh, with that. Um, but th those two are definitely th those two have definitely been on my radar. I've seen those posted around, and um, they look they look right up my alley. Yeah, this for the longest time, it was it was never playing locally. It was playing it. It would be playing in like New York yeah. at like ten twenty five in the morning once, <laughs> and on a, on a Wednesday got here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it was it was the the uh, the VOD was nineteen ninety nine forever. And yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not cheap, no. and I'm not paying that for one movie. Mm -mm. I I wound up settling for four ninety nine. I was like, I fuck it the other day, and I I paid five bucks for it. Yeah, but it it was worth it because I really enjoyed it. There is um and not to interrupt, but um and this isn't about free stuff with the library, but um there are virtual movie um festivals that go on virtual film festivals that go on throughout the year. And one that I always, always like over the past three ish years have taken part of in is the Chattanooga film fest. And you get a lot of indie films through that. You get a lot of um, like indie horror and thrillers through that. So um, they do have a virtual pass this year. So if you buy it, you get like eight days of streaming of uh, whether it's the films or um, Q and A's uh, a lot of things like that. So um, that's what we'll be doing in June. If anybody else, um, wants to talk movies with me about that. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Um, they kind of they kind of made the take a little pricey this year, but uh, it's fine. It's good. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I always see. I think yeah. Sundance was virtual last year, and oh, that's great. I also, yeah. I mean, yeah. just just putting it out there, like I I do a lot of low budget film and TV, just because that's where my niche has been the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, support that shit. If you're not supporting yes. that shit, like. If you're tired of what you feel is Hollywood, I don't even want to try to define that for people because it's so big of an area. This is how you do it. Go find the little streaming websites. Go find the yes. film festivals. Like you're gonna see stuff that's like no one's ever heard of it except us because we're all nerds. Yes. And then you're gonna come talk to us in the movie group, and you're gonna be very happy that you saw it because we're all gonna go, yeah, it was great. Let's let's. Or like that. that sounds like something I want to I want to watch. Like how do I find that? And then you go you go find it, and yeah. then you talk about it, and you get to see these like little slices of 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 film that you would never have the privilege to see otherwise. So and good. yeah, like so you know, I, look as much as I loved Ant Man Manium or whatever <laughs> that was called that I that I saw this weekend. Um, and it was fine. It was fun. Whatever. But um, I I'm really looking forward to this like indie film fest that's happening. And I have seen some real, 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 real low budget stuff in this in this film fest that has been mind blowingly good. So um, and just yeah, to be clear, right. we all love the big stuff. Like we talk about the yeah, big stuff all the yeah. time. It's just there's so there's so many. This is about movies. no country for old men. This is a Coen Brothers flick. Right. Like this is this is big. <laughs> but um yeah, like yeah. 
Hey, yeah, that sounds cool. That was cool, guys. I enjoyed that. On that. Yeah, what a what a plug. <laughs> Speaking of plugs, Gail, where can we follow you? Uh, come find me at Instagram at uh, it is that one broad. That's me. All right, Glenn. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter at Glenn Thompson eleven because a lot of guys name my name, but that's cool. Uh, or uh, my website glenn-thompson.com. You can check out what I'm doing. Stuff I try to post new stuff as I'm working on it. Uh, and uh, yeah, also the movie group that Dave will mention in a minute. And at Letterboxd, Twitter and Instagram, same handle at ddem2000. We have an Instagram and Twitter for the show at was it that bad pod. And what am I forgetting? Uh, if you want to talk with us about movies anytime, this one or any other one that you like, join the movie and television talk Facebook group by typing that into a, a group search. And we are the red cover photo. We are, what are we doing next week? I forget. Oh, uh, last night in Soho. That's, that's oh, our next yes. uh, So I'm excited for that. I haven't seen, I've seen it since, yeah. saw it in theaters. And I haven't seen it since, so I'm really excited to revisit it and talk about it. I remember that was on my top 10 for 21. I think it was like five or six on there. So I, I really enjoyed that a lot. Edgar Wright. And, Man, that and guy. For, we want yeah. more from him. Give us more. Edgar that Wright. guy. That guy. <laughs> you know him. All right. We, we've been talking for almost two hours. We're, you can tell we're like winding down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we're just shooting the shit now. There it is. Welcome to it, everybody. This is, the real, this is the real podcast. Say more names. <laughs> That's what happens after hours. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And Glenn, Gail, thanks, thanks for joining me tonight. This was fun as always. Same to you, man. Bye. Everybody have a good night.